once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We are pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Well, for those who do not know me, I'm Monty Starks, one of the pastors here at Perimeter Church. And if you would, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. We're going to actually talk about two passages, parallel passages in the Gospels. Luke 22, and also if you want to stick your finger there, uh, we're going to turn over to John 18 also. Luke 22 and John 18. And as you're turning to those two passages, uh, let me tell you what I was thinking as I was preparing for this sermon. I was thinking about what do I preach on the Sunday after Thanksgiving? I could start preaching on maybe Christmas. It might be a little early. Maybe it's not, you know, December yet. Then I thought, you know, I want to preach on hope. You know, Advent and the coming of Christ that he has come and he will come. And we are going to talk about the hope of Jesus. But then a thought popped into my mind. Wow, going into December, the thought that I had was not that much fun. Because I think of December being very tired and stressful and under a lot of pressure. I think about going in and thinking about finances and gifts and parties and finishing up the year. And it just gets stressful. And so I was thinking, you know, those aren't really fun thoughts. And then I thought to myself, how do I, how do people handle being tired, stressed, and under pressure? And then these thoughts were even worse as I thought of examples. So I, I travel some. And uh, I, I'm overseas, and I land, and I'm on jet lag, and I'm in lack of sleep. And I focus when I'm overseas on the partners. Man, I am concentrating on them. I love them. We're ministering to them. I'm, I'm trying to really serve them and put them first. And then I fly back home, and I'm on jet lag, and I'm tired. But I don't have that same kind of heart with my family. You know, I kind of use the excuses, I'm on jet lag, and I'm tired, and I can't really love you well right now. And bottom line is I don't love well. I don't love my family. I make excuses. And then I thought of December. And I thought of my four teenagers. Yes, that's right. Please pray for us. We have four teenagers. And um, I'm thinking of all their projects in December, their final exams, and how stressed they get and how stressed I get. And I think about things that I would already tell them, like, you know, you should have started studying earlier for those exams. (laughs) And don't stress us out because you're stressed. You're making us stressed and the whole family's stressed. Just, ah, And I think about December. And then I think of the holidays. Oh, wait, wait. I can have rest. We're going to have some holidays. Some rest. Oh, I got to get prepared for the end of the year at home, end of the year at work. Again, all the finish the task, just the pressure and stress. And then I have this wonderful moment. From my loving and gracious wife, ask me this very important and pertinent question. When you have some time tonight, we need to talk about Christmas. And the presents, and what we're, parties we're going to go to, and parties we're not going to, and what we're going to put on the calendar, and so on. And my unloving and unserving heart wants to answer her this way. Can we talk in January? <laughs> That's what I think about Christmas. All this to say, when I'm tired, stressed, and under pressure, I do not love well. Does God understand what it means? Does Jesus understand what it means for me to be tired, stressful, and under pressure? Well, the answer to that question 
is yes, more than we'll ever know. Well, this is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative Word of God. And I have reverence for the Word of God. Please stand as I read from Luke 22. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. Luke 22, beginning in verse 39. This is the Word of the Lord. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he had rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, a man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you portray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Turn over to John 18, beginning in verse 1. John 18, verse 1. Parallel passage. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word he had spoken. Of those you have gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into a sheath. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would remove me from this place. That all of us would see the love and the power of Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Please be seated. Let me set up the context of these passages here for you. Jesus and the apostles just celebrated the Lord's Supper. Jesus was naked and dressed in a towel, and he knelt down and washed the disciples' the apostles' feet. He even washed Judas' feet.
right before this chapter in John 17, he prays for us, he prays for his apostles, that we might know him and know the Father. And then Jesus and the apostles cross over the Kidron Valley. Now, Kidron actually means dark or black. In the winter months, this is a valley where the water would run from the winter rains. But this is during Passover. And they would have thousands and thousands of sacrifices, blood sacrifices that people would bring to the temple. And the blood would flow out of the temple down into the valley. That's why they would call it the Black Valley, the Kidron Valley. How ironic that is that Jesus is crossing over the blood of the sacrifices of the animals. And then hours later, he would shed his own blood. He would sacrifice his own life for our sin. Jesus is now in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's about midnight. And Judas has brought these soldiers with weapons, these Sadducees, Pharisees, high priests, and they've come to arrest Jesus. So the first point I'd like to make, and you can find this in your outline, is this. Jesus loved while being tired, stressed, and under pressure. Jesus loved while being tired, stressed, and under pressure. Look at Luke 22, verse 39 through 40. See, Jesus is already tired and he knows what's coming, but he longs for community with his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John. We see him truly seek to love Peter, James, and John. He wants them to pray with him. He needs the community and fellowship. But he's thinking about their hearts. In verse 40, we see that Jesus is other-centered when he says, pray so you might not fall into temptation. Jesus is thinking about them. Jesus is in danger and grief, but he finds time to love others well. He does this again in verses 45 and 46. He continually cares for their hearts. He loves their lives. You might be thinking this. Jesus, he's not really under that much stress right now. He's not really under that much pressure. But look at verses 42 through 44. Look at what happens between Jesus going to love Peter, James, and John, and then going to love them again. In verse 42, it says this, that he asked the Father to remove the cup from him. See, the cup represents the cup of wrath, the divine judgment from God the Father. Jesus knows he's about to die. Jesus is human. He wants to run. He's feeling agony and grief and sorrow and pain. Jesus is human and he wants to run. And he knows he's going to have a horrible death. But that's not why he's really stressed. He's really stressed because his biggest fear and his biggest desire to run comes from knowing that he will receive the Father's judgment and wrath for the first time in all eternity. Jesus will put our sin on him. His sinless life, Jesus will put on him. God has never seen his son like this. They've been one and perfect forever. Jesus is sinless. But God cannot relate. God the Father cannot relate with sin. He has to turn his back on his son from all eternity. That one relationship will be severed. 
And Jesus will have to receive the wrath of God because he took our sin upon him. Jesus could have run. He could have stopped going to the cross, but he thought of us and did the will of the Father. How stressful was Jesus in this moment? So much so that God sends an angel to strengthen him. But in the next verse it says he's still in agony and he begins to sweat blood. Actually, this is not a divine thing. This is a human thing. Everyone in this room has a capability of sweating blood. It's called hematotrosis. Hematotrosis. It's when the subcutaneous capillaries burst. In other words, your sweat glands, you get so stressed out, your sweat glands begin to burst. And instead of just sweat coming out, blood starts to pour out. Jesus is under extreme pressure knowing that his perfect relationship with the Father, he's going to be severed from him. And he's going to receive the wrath of God because of our sin. But Jesus is other-centered. He loves well. I think about if I was in this situation, I, I, I would just be all about me. I'd be so self-centered. I'd make excuses for all kind of stress and lack of sleep. What does Jesus do in the moment of wanting to run? Jesus remains faithful. He submits to his Father. He says, not my will, but yours, Father, your will be done. Jesus is submitting to the Father in worship. He's under grief and sorrow. He's human. But he's not controlled by his feelings. Jesus is controlled by his deep desire to honor and to worship the Father. Jesus submits to the Father's will. And he will carry and put on him later our sin. We do not deserve this. But Jesus loves us so well. And his power is so great. So we looked at the first way that Jesus loved Peter, James, and John. The second way that we see Jesus love others well is how he interacts with his betrayer. And that's Judas. Remember, Judas was the treasurer of the apostles. Judas was trusted by the apostles. And Jesus loved Judas. A few hours earlier, Jesus washed Judas' feet. But Judas is falsely showing, like walking up, falsely showing this intimate relationship by trying to kiss Jesus. And Jesus lovingly says this, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man? With a kiss? Jesus is going after his heart one last time. Jesus is tired and stressed. He's covered in blood. But he's taking time, one last chance, to see if Judas would repent. He loves him. Judas has just betrayed Jesus with just 30 pieces of silver. He's brought these soldiers in with weapons to arrest Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stop loving him. Jesus wants his heart. Could Jesus continues to love others well. You know, if I were there and I had a betrayer walk up, I'd have probably just punched him in the face. But Jesus wants his heart to change, and he continues to be others-focused. The third way we see Jesus' love in this setting, under stress, being tired, 
is how he protects all the 11 apostles. This is very interesting. In John 18, verses 4 through 9, he says some very powerful things. So remember the chapter right before John 18, John 17, it's the high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying for his apostles that they might be one as him and his father are one. In verse 3 in John 18, it says that Jesus came forward. He stepped forward. He stepped out. He stepped out into the light of the lanterns and the torches. He stepped out and he's protecting his men. He's saying, look at me, enemies. I'm going to step out and protect my men. He loves them deeply. He's been with them for three plus years. He's modeled for them. He's taught them. He's labored with them. He doesn't stop loving them, even in this crazy and hard situation. Thinking about myself, I I know I would probably hide behind a tree or a bush or just push them out and let them be arrested. And then Jesus goes on and actually even says this after stepping out. Whom do you seek? He really truly is protecting them. Jesus wants the enemies to focus on him and not his men. Then Jesus says this. He says, I am he. Actually in the Greek it says, I am. It's actually a divine statement that God used with Moses in Exodus chapter 3. The Jews would recognize this as a claim to divinity. That's why they're there to arrest him. He's claimed to be God. And it's so powerful. This is God the Son. It's so powerful. See, when he said, I am, they fell back. They fell back. And then protecting his man in verse 8, he loves them well again. He says, let these men go. Take me. Let, let them go. I love them. I want to protect them. His love never stops. He's so others-centered. He's our prophet, he's our king, and he's our priest. In verse 5, again, he says, I am. He makes this great statement, he's our prophet. In verse 6, he says, uh, he's the king of kings, I am, throws the people down. He's the king. And in verse 7 and 8, his protection shows that he's the great high priest. Jesus, he never stops loving. The fourth way we see Jesus love others well here is he heals an enemy, Malchus. Luke 22, verses 15 and 51, and then John 18, verses 10 through 11, we read that Peter, bringing, uh, just being his crazy self again, takes out this sword, and, and you know he's going for the neck or something of this servant, the guy standing right next to him. He goes, and he swipes down and cuts off Malchus's right ear. Just uh, Peter being himself. Now think about what's happening right now. It's in the middle of the night. Jesus is tired. He's covered in blood. The guards and soldiers are there to arrest him. They have weapons and lanterns. Judas goes to try to kiss him. Jesus announces that he's the I am. Peter's taking out this sword. The place must be going crazy. There must be people running around everywhere. And Jesus stops and pauses and kneels down and doesn't take out a sword, but takes out his healing hand. And he touches Malchus on the ear. And he heals him. Jesus loves 
even his enemies. Jesus never stops loving. I would have loved to have been there. I'd have loved to have seen the enemies just pause. I mean, just Malchus's face. What was he thinking? There to arrest him, and he's being healed by the man. Jesus is other-centered. Jesus is tired. He's under pressure. But he chooses to love others well. And then he tells Peter, hey, Peter, I'm still going to drink the cup, the cup of wrath. The good shepherd, he's going to lay his life down for his sheep. The lamb will be led to be slaughtered. He's our good shepherd. He's our lamb. He's taking our sin upon himself. He has to die a bloody death for our sins to be forgiven. He must be separated from his father for the first time in all of history, all of eternity, and he's going to receive his father's judgment and wrath. Jesus is full of love. He who had no sin became sin for us, that in him we might have the righteousness of God. Jesus is tired, stressed, and under pressure, but he loves Peter, James, and John. He loves Judas. He loves the 11 apostles. He loves his enemy, Malchus. So what can we learn? What can we apply from looking at this powerful love of Jesus? Well, the first application I'd like to talk about is this. First of all, we need to repent. We need to repent of our unloving hearts. We need to repent of not loving well like Jesus. We need to repent of being self-centered. We need to repent of making excuses for not loving well and not even loving at all. We need to repent. We need to ask Jesus to help us in the power of the Holy Spirit to love like him. A few hours before this, in John 15 verse 12, Jesus tells his apostles this. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. We're to love like Jesus. If you're like me, I need a lot of help. I don't love like Christ. I need to repent more often and more often. But I don't need to stop there. I just don't need to confess and repent of my sin. I need to repent and turn to Jesus. I need Jesus now at this very very moment to help me love others well like him. So the second application is this. We need, we need to run to and rest in the love and the power of our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus knew his men and us would struggle with life. Jesus knew we would need help to love well. This is why he gave us the Holy Spirit. We just talked about John chapter 15, verse 12. All the verses right after that, he talks about that the Holy Spirit will be sent to them. And the Holy Spirit will comfort them and remind them of everything that he has said and done. The Holy Spirit will help them love like Jesus. This is why he tells us to run to and rest in him. 
I love this famous passage that he's already told his apostles and the people in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. Come to me. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus' tender call to intimacy to all who are burdened and weary. Jesus is calling those to come to him whose work in life has caused them to be weary and heavy laden with burdens and run to him. This is a special rest that can only be found in Jesus. A unique rest. See, back then, Pharisees would put all these rules and restrictions on the people. And today, today, we put burdens on ourselves, burdens on our family and one another with our own restrictions. We weigh ourselves down with our life and our work and trying to follow our man-made ways. And we keep ourselves from loving others well. We focus on us. And we don't focus on others. Nothing, nothing in this life will give you rest like Jesus can. Rest from your pain and your struggles and resting in his loving and forgiving arms. See, the word yoke here in the Greek is zugos. It would be the wooden frame that would go into, uh, between like two oxen. It's the wooden frame in between two oxen. So they would distribute the heavy weight or the heavy burden. But sometimes our burden is just too heavy. In the Old Testament, the, the yoke was used as a metaphor for all the enemies that would put that human oppression upon the Israelites. Jesus here is using yoke as a metaphor for discipleship to him, an intimate relationship with him. When you come to him, he promises you great rest in him. Rest from the weariness and burdens of the pharisaical laws, our man-made laws, human oppression. Jesus wants our hearts. He wants us fully, fully devoted to him. In other words, Jesus' yoke is truth. That is where we'll find rest. How do we know it will be okay? Well, in verse 29, we read this. He says, come to me for I am gentle and lowly. And humble in heart. Jesus teaches us and gives us truth with gentleness humility. Jesus is not saying that the law is bad. Actually, this is exactly what, what Randy's been preaching on. The lovable law. He's saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Come to me and you will find rest and learn to love others well. It's not about doing this or not doing that. It's about an intimate relationship with our, with our Savior, with our Redeemer, with the one who gave himself up for us. It's being intimate with him day by day, step by step. This is a life of hope. This is a life of freedom, free in Christ. See, the Apostle Paul knew about this truth. The Apostle Paul understood that in his own strength, he was incapable of doing anything. He needed the power 
of Christ Jesus. We see this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Paul says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Divine grace is sufficient. Our weakness is when the power of Christ rests upon us. Paul understood the weaker he was, the more that he would trust and understand and live in the power of Christ in his life. And he would be able to love others well. Jesus wants us to be completely dependent upon him and his Father. His friends couldn't make it. They were tired. They couldn't make it. But Jesus loved them. He was being betrayed. But Jesus loved. The apostles, we find out, end up running away later in the verses. But he loved them. And he's sitting there loving his enemies. The love and power of Christ. Repent of your self-centeredness. I need to desperately repent of my self-centeredness. Run to and rest in the love and the power of our great Savior. And then watch how loving others will change people's hearts as you submit to the Father and communities will be changed. If you're here today, if you're here today and you've never trusted in the loving power of Christ Jesus, You've never put your hope and faith in Christ alone to save you from your sin. I pray that you would look at the perfect life, the death as Christ shed his blood for you and took on your sin, rose from the grave and conquered disease and death, and now ascended and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, that you would trust in Christ today, that you would repent and run to the only hope that we all have. If you're a disciple of Jesus here, if you're a follower of Christ, my prayer for you this December and for me and for much longer is this. If you're tired and you can't stay awake and you can't make it and pray, Jesus is coming after you. He loves you. If you have doubt and unbelief, and you're struggling to believe in life, Jesus is coming after you. He believes in you. He loves you well. If you feel like an enemy right now, if you feel like you're turning your back on Jesus, he's coming after you. He loves you. If you're struggling to love well right now, like I am, Jesus is coming after you. He loves you. He has given you the power of the Spirit. Run to Him. Rest in His gentle and caring arms. Pray and ask the Lord to give you the power, Christ's power, to love others well. This candle over here is a candle of hope that Christ has come and he will come back.
And our hope, our hope is in Christ alone. Let's pray in his name. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, before the throne of God above, we have a great high priest whose name is love. Our souls have been purchased by his blood, and our lives are hidden with Christ on high. Jesus, we need you every hour. You are our one defense. You are our righteousness. Jesus, your grace, your grace is so free. You have made us new, and life begins with you. Our hope, our hope is in you alone. And we pray this in Jesus' loving and powerful name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.